Yeah, Jen had no idea that I'm talking about hope today. But of course, the Spirit of God knows that. And I just felt like I was standing back there. This isn't in my notes at all, but uh, I felt like this is a word for somebody that um, you need some healing in your life. And the healing power of Jesus is here, not because of this building, not because it's a, a church today on Sunday, but because of the power and presence of Jesus if, is within you. And your healing is coming. Somebody needs to hear that. I experienced some healing in my life this last month, and uh, I just felt the Spirit say, you got to tell somebody that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to preach the rest of my message. So if that's for you, you know who it is. So uh, last week, uh, we kicked off this series called The Others. Uh, and this term, The Others, comes from Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith the chapter that describes the faith of all of those that have gone before us, of Abraham and Isaac, of Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, and so many others. And then near the end of the chapter, it simply says there were others. And the others that were not named or seldom mentioned in the Bible, that's who we're focusing on in this series, little-known people of faith in the Bible, people that were not famous, but men and women that had an incredible impact on this world. In uh, Hebrews 11.32, the writer says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. And then the next verse, 33, says that there were others. And this is just my personal opinion But I think one of the reasons that the writer of Hebrews said that it would take too long to recount the stories of faith of all the other people was because many of these stories had yet to be written. And I think that's prophetic for today, too, that some of the stories of the others are still being written here and now today. In other words, I think that you and I have the opportunity to be counted in as one of the others. People with so much faith that it could be said of us like it says in Hebrews eleven thirty eight, the next verse, that they were too good for this world. How awesome is that? Talk about hashtag goals. Something to strive for. That it would be said of you, said of me, that they had so much faith that they were too good for this world. That's incredible. So these people, they were like you and me. They weren't perfect. But they did look to the one that is perfect the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. How many of you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, that this is not your home? Amen? Peoria is not your home. Illinois is not your home. America is not your home. Those are important places because you live there. But you and I should have an eternal mindset. Now, that doesn't mean that we just check out because we've got fire insurance. No. It, it, It means that we're the opposite, actually. Paul, you threw me off there. That wasn't supposed to be that funny. (laughs) It means that we should be praying and seeking and engaged with our culture, not checked out, and looking for the one, Jesus, who taught us to pray this, that what happens in heaven is replicated here on earth, that our first response to anything and everything would be to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? To be able to tell, to look with the perspective, to know that heaven is falling to earth, to see with the eyes of faith, and to know that God is redeeming all things and believe that what it says in Revelation eleven fifteen is coming to pass, that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. 
and that he shall reign forever and ever. Amen? So yes, the series of the others is about little-known people in the Bible, but mostly it is about you and it is about me becoming the others. It is about us becoming everything that God has designed us to be. Let's pray here before we get started. Holy Spirit, breathe on us this morning. Just like the winds rattled our houses last night, would you rattle our hearts? Send a fresh wind into our hearts this morning. Light a fire within us, as only you can do. Cut this word that you're about to speak through me into a hundred different pieces specific for each and every heart that is listening, whether it's here, whether it's on the podcast, it doesn't matter. God, we want our hearts to be changed because of what you speak to us today. We want our heads to be lifted higher in confidence and in faith as we walk out of here today. May our feet walk farther than we did before. Help us, God, to take one more step of faith, one more step of hope towards our loving Father. It's in the mighty and holy name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. You ready to go? Yeah. All right. Has anybody ever given up on something before? This is interactive. I need to see your hands. Okay. Most of you, everybody else is lying. Good to know. Have you ever given up on someone? Okay. You don't have to raise your hands for this one. If you want to, you can. Have you ever been hurt by the church or let down by the church? I'm raising my hand. Maybe you've felt like Jesus has let you down. Maybe you've given up on the church. Maybe you've given up on Jesus. I want to talk to you this morning about a man named Cleopas. Cleopas definitely felt like Jesus had let him down, big time. And Cleopas gave up on Jesus. He walked away, literally walked away from Jesus. And Cleopas was a follower of Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but because of what we read, we know that he was very close to those 12. And some historical records, not in the Bible, but out of some history books, tell us that Cleopas was possibly the brother of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, which would have made him the uncle of Jesus. We don't know that for sure, but a lot of speculation is that he was the uncle of Jesus. So let me set the stage. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, uh, turn, turn to Luke chapter 24, and while you're turning there, I'm going to set the stage. So Jesus had been crucified and buried in a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and if you remember, Pontius Pilate had sealed it with a large stone, posted soldiers outside to guard it so that no one would tamper with his body. And three days had passed, and it was Sunday morning, just like it is here today. And if you remember, the women that had followed Jesus had gone to the tomb and discovered that the large stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And they went inside, and they discovered to their astonishment and their horror that the body of Jesus was gone. And angels appeared to them and asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? <laughs> That's a good word. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Now let me just stop there for a moment. It's really amazing how bad at listening that we really are. 
My wife and I, Heather, were talking about this the other night. <laughs> We've got to stop. We've got to look people in the eye and be fully present, fully engaged with them. I raise my hand. I am working on this. I am trying to drastically improve this in my own life, especially with my wife and my children, to put down my cell phone and to look them in the eye and to engage and to really care and show that I'm listening. See, I think so many of us don't listen to others when they're speaking. We're already thinking of what we're going to say next, so much so that we interrupt people and just start talking over them. I'm guilty. But listening is a lost art. We need to bring it back. My grandma used to tell me, Christopher, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. You need to listen twice as much as you speak. It's a good word. And how much more important then is it for us to listen to our Heavenly Father, for us to be able to stop and pause and create space every day to listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us because he is speaking each and every day. The problem is we're just not listening. But if we can get into this rhythm of listening to his voice, I'm telling you, your life will turn upside down. Your life will drastically change. So these angels, they told the women, why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. He told you guys back in Galilee what would happen. You just weren't listening. And so the women were excited. They rushed back to tell the 11 disciples what had happened. But, of course, the men didn't believe it, except for good old Peter and John. They jump up, and they had that foot race to the tomb, and they see for themselves that the tomb is empty. And they go back home somewhat confused, somewhat excited about what all this means. So I tell all of this to you to give you a backdrop on Cleopas. It's Resurrection Sunday, but the followers of Jesus have no idea what's going on. They're losing faith. They're becoming hopeless. And two disciples, one of them Cleopas, the other one we don't know who it is. He's not named. It may have been Luke. Uh, very strong speculation that it was, but we don't know. They gave up. And in Luke 24, verses 13 to 18, it says this. That same day, Resurrection Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things or as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. <laughs> but God kept them from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them, he said, what were you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written on their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. <laughs> I love it. Cleopas is like, dude, bro, are you serious right now? Where have you been? Have you been living under a rock? And Jesus is thinking, I am the rock, but bad joke. And Jesus asks, what things? He's playing dumb. And Cleopas says, the things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. 
Do you notice the words Cleopas is using? He has lost all hope. He was, past tense, a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher. No mention of Jesus being the Son of God. No hope, just sadness, just misery. See, Cleopas was living in the land of he was, instead of recognizing that I am, was walking right beside him. Hello? How many of us do that? How many of us get overwhelmed and discouraged in our circumstances and give up hope so quickly? We tend to live our lives in the land of he was when we just need to open our eyes and see who is walking beside us, the great I am. Anybody? Church, it's time to get your hopes up again. It's time to get your hopes up again, church. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's time to get your hopes up again. Because when we think it's all over, that's when God says, no, it's only just begun. And Cleopas is talking to Jesus, verse 24. He says, he continues his story. He said, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. <laughs> so Cleopas and his unnamed disciple friend, they knew this report from the women from the, that, this morning. They had heard the tomb was empty. They'd heard the angels tell the woman Jesus was alive. They knew all this, and yet they still chose to walk away. How many of us know the truth, and we still walk away? Instead of running to the tomb like Peter and John did, they turned and they walked the other direction. And even though there were signs of hope, Cleopas and the other disciple could not see it because they were looking with their physical eyes. And they turned the other way and they walked away from Jerusalem. I guarantee you there's someone in this place today who feels like they've done everything right, they've served Jesus, but you're tempted to walk away. Maybe you have walked away. That all your hard work has been a waste of time. And you may be going through the motions, you may be here physically, but spiritually your heart is far, far away. This message is for you. This message is for me. It's for everyone here today that's listening to this on the podcast. So Jesus turned to Cleopas and the other disciple and he said, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by the time they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. I love this. He, he pretended he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us. It's getting late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat, and Jesus took a piece of bread, and he blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized who it really was. And then he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Did not our hearts burn? See, they knew it. They felt it, but they weren't listening to the right voice quickly enough. How did they know? Their hearts. 
We talk so much about the condition of our hearts here at Church 214. Why? Because it's so important. The most important kingdom to reign over is the kingdom of your heart. What happens in here determines what happens everywhere else. What happens on the internal is just planting the seeds for harvesting on the external. And their hearts didn't see. They were not looking with the eyes of their spirit. And Jesus called them foolish and slow of heart to believe. Verse 33, and within the hour, though, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord is really risen. In the book of Mark, it says that they ran, they rushed back the seven miles to Jerusalem. See, today you may be just like Cleopas. You might be going the wrong direction. You've walked away from Jerusalem. Where are you walking today? You might physically be here, but is your heart off course? Even slightly. Here's the awesome thing, though. Even if you have walked away, even if your heart is off course, Jesus is walking right beside you. And just like Cleopas, he walked away, he gave up, but Jesus was right there with him. How many times in our lives have our, has our perspective gotten off target? How many times have we shifted our gaze from Jesus and onto the raging ocean waves? But today is your day to turn that around. It's time to get back to Jerusalem. There's work to be done. See, once Cleopas realized who he was with, he ran those seven miles back to Jerusalem. And church, it's time to grab a hold of faith today and run back to Jerusalem. Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 4 says this. Now, Jerusalem is a picture of the church. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Somebody needs to hear that today. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. That's prophetic. It's time to come home. Whether that's you or somebody else, it's time to come back, run back to Jerusalem and come home. You may have been let down by the church. I've been let down by the church. But listen to me. Here's the thing. You are the church. If you give up on the church, then you give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. You may have felt like Jesus has let you down, but he has never let you down. He never has and he never will. You just need a perspective shift from he was to I am. See, the cross is not a symbol of death anymore. It's a symbol of life. That's a perspective shift. The grave is not a symbol of the end. It's a symbol of new beginnings. It's time to get a new perspective. A perspective of praise instead of, of a perspective of pessimism. I'm really tired of pessimistic people. Sometimes I hate it about myself. Yeah, even I get pessimistic. My, wife, my wife's laughing. Listen, Jesus does not inhabit the pessimism of his people. Jesus inhabits the praises of his people. Hello? I think it's got to be really hard to be a pessimist and be a follower of Jesus. I mean, has anybody read this lately? We win. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, yeah, there's going to be trouble in your life. There's going to be trials in your life. But you serve the guy that overcame the world. Like, he's won already at the cross. It's over. It's done. You win. And you can choose to walk through your life like sour Sally. Sorry if you're a Sally here today. (laughs) Or you can realize that you are saved Sally. And you've been redeemed. And you're a child of the Most High. And the people of the Most High, we know, have taken over the kingdom. Is anybody awake today? As a follower of Jesus, Ephesians tells us that you and I are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Right here, right now. You, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So let me ask you a question. Why are we not viewing life through that perspective? I uh, travel a lot for my job, so I fly a lot uh, all over the world. And one of the, the perks of doing that is from time to time, I'll get upgraded to first class at, at no charge. It's awesome. I pray for it, especially on long trips. So last weekend, I had the chance to take my son Bennett to a NASCAR race in North Carolina. And because my son was with his father, he was upgraded to first class at no charge. See, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, your father has upgraded you. You're in first class. Your spirit is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The problem is that most of us act like we're in the cargo hold. Oh, it's so dark and gloomy down here, just with the bags. No, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Come on. You can't see anything from down there. That's your physical eyes. You need to look with your spiritual eyes. You're seated in first class. See, the view that Jesus has, you got to get this, the view that Jesus has is the view that you have access to. So use it. You've got to choose to use it. Hebrews 11, verse 1. This is a powerful verse. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. See, the word assurance in Greek means a legal claim. It's like a title or deed to your house or car. But in this case, it's a title or deed to a promise. Faith is the activation of your deed to these eternal promises. It's an assurance of what is hoped for. Faith is also the evidence or conviction of things that you cannot see with your physical eyes. Am I I making any sense? And hope, smashed right in there in the verse, is a huge ingredient to faith. You know this for 2 Corinthians 5-7, we walk by... One of you does. We walk by faith. It's on the screen if if you want to read it. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what? Faith. We walk, we move by faith, not by sight. Jesus didn't make you to stand still. He didn't. So why are you standing still? Jesus didn't make you to walk backwards. Otherwise, your head would swivel around like an owl. You were made to step forwards. You were made to keep walking. This church is built on that concept. Acts 2.14, church 2.14. We are stepping forward together. In the tradition of when the church started, when Peter and the apostles stepped forward that day at Pentecost. 
We carry that on. We step forward together. We take action. We're moving forward in faith and hope. But it's so important as we move forward that we remember that we don't walk by what we see with our physical eyes. you got to get this. We walk by what? Faith. We walk by the assurance of things that we hope for. We walk by the evidence of things that we do not see with our physical eyes. That's what Abraham did. Remember Abraham, the father of our faith? Genesis 12.1, God said to Abram, he said, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. Go where, Abraham? Where are you going? I have no idea. I'm just going to a land that God's going to show me. Go to a land that I will show you. He didn't know his destination. Where are you going on vacation? I don't know. I'm just going to a land that God's going to show me. He's taking one step of faith at a time. You're starting a church? What's it called? Where are you going to meet? Who's the pastor? Who's going to fund it? I don't know. God just told us to go. We're going to a land that he's going to show us one step at a time. Maybe somebody's told you that. God's given you direction, and they say, you're doing what? How are you going to pay for it? What, what's this going to look like? What that's going to look like? When are you going to get there? What do you do? How are you going to do such and such? I don't know. God just told us to go. We're going to a land that he's going to show us one step at a time. You're crazy. Yep, just like Abraham. I don't know all the answers. You don't need to know the answers. You just need to listen to the answer. His name is Jesus. You need to take one step of faith after another. I don't know the final destination, but God told us to go. We're going to go. We're going to go to the land that he's going to show us. And God kept telling Abraham, he said, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families on earth. Are you on earth? Are you a family? That's you. You're blessed because of Abraham. That's pretty awesome. You're blessed because of the faith of Abraham. That is a promise from God. Don't check out on me. Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Wow. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Romans 4, 17 says this of Abraham. That's what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Another translation says he had hope against hope believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. 
But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And, God, and when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that God will also count us righteous if we believed in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That is some powerful stuff. He went to a land where he didn't know he was going. And when all hope was gone, he still hoped. He had hope against hope. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. He didn't know his destination. See, God doesn't want us to focus on our destination. God wants us to focus on him, the one who has called us. God wants us to focus on hope against hope. The destination isn't the goal. The goal is following Jesus. The goal is taking steps after Jesus. The goal is hope against hope against hope against hope against hope. And when all hope is gone, when everything is faded, when it looks like it's dead, you just hope some more. See, endless steps of hope are the ingredients of faith. Did you hear that? Endless, never stopping steps of hope are the ingredients of faith. You don't need to have a destination mindset. You just need to have a step-by-step mindset. Hope against hope. Faith upon faith, step after step. A couple weeks ago, I guess it was about a month now, on a Saturday morning, my Son had an early morning soccer practice out at uh, Mossville. Has anybody been to the Mossville soccer complex? And I grabbed my Bible. It was about 8 a.m. We were supposed to be out there. I grabbed my Bible, and I was prepping for this message, actually. And I'm sitting in my truck, windows down, just a beautiful Saturday morning. And I'm sitting there reading the passages that I just read to you in Hebrews 11 and Romans 4 about Abraham. And I'm reading that Abraham went to this land that he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know his destination. And I'm reading that he had hope against hope. And I'm reading about this extreme faith, and I'm wondering, would I have done the same thing if God had called me to do that? Do I do the same thing when God calls me to do something? And I felt God say, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was very strong in my spirit. I felt God say, put down your Bible and go for a walk. I'm going to show you what this means. Now, if you've ever been to the Mossville soccer complex, there are 40 fields there. It's very large. And my son was practicing on field one. I was parked right next to that field, the first field there. And God told me, walk as far as you can in the other direction. So, if I've learned anything in my life, and I'm I'm not perfect, but when God tells me to do something, it is always best if I obey. Otherwise, I miss out. So I walked past my son's soccer field, and I walk past another one, and another one, and another one, and I'm just like headed towards the river, or Chillicothe, or somewhere. And I finally get to the edge of the soccer fields, and I felt God say, turn around. Can you see your son? I said, nope. I mean, I'm straining my eyes. I'm looking back all the way, 40 fields from there. I couldn't see movement. I couldn't see people. I couldn't see anybody. And God says, but do you know where your son is? 
I said, yeah, he's right over there in that direction. And God said, that's right. That's like the faith of Abraham. That's how I want you to live. So God said, walk back towards him. So I started walking back. Past a few soccer fields. God says, can you see him now? Nope. Can't see him. Nothing. But do you know where he is? Yep. He's in that direction. God says, that's right. It's like the faith of Abraham. Keep walking. Keep listening. That's how I want you to live. And I walk by a few more soccer fields. God says, can you see him now? Nope. I can't see him yet. But do you know where he is? Yeah. He's in that direction. That's right. That's like the faith of Abraham. Keep walking. Keep listening. That's how I want you to live. And I walked some more soccer fields. And finally, God says, do you see him? And I said, yeah, I see him. He's right there. And then God said, but what else do you see? And it's like it stopped my heart. I said, oh, it's not just my son. It's an entire generation of boys. And God said, yes, that's the faith of Abraham. Keep walking. Keep listening. That's how I want you to live. See, as a follower of Jesus, you are seated with him in heavenly places. That means your spirit can see things that your eyes cannot see. I knew my son was there. My physical eyes could not see him. But my spirit saw him from a distance. And when I finally saw him, I realized that the heart of God was not just about my son. But the heart of God was about lavishing love on generation after generation after generation after generation. See, that's the faith and the blessing of Abraham that you and I are living in right now. You are living in that promise of love lavished upon you. And it's your responsibility to keep walking and to keep listening because God's promises are always yes and amen. We don't need to know the destination. We just need to keep walking step after step after step after Jesus. When all hope is gone, we take another step of hope, and then another one, and another one, and another one. See, faith is not this feel-good thing. It doesn't feel good. Faith is that you run back to Jerusalem when you've walked away. Faith is not this euphoric feeling. It's taking another step of hope when all hope is gone, and then another and another to a destination that your eyes cannot see. Stand up for a moment. If you would, just close your eyes and focus as we close out here. Because we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. Don't worry about the person next to you, behind you, beside you, your loved ones. Worry about your own heart in this moment. Where are you walking? Where are you going? Are you focused on a destination? Or are you focused on taking another step of hope towards Jesus? Are you focused on a destination? Or are you focused on listening to the one voice who's going to lead you step by step? Have you walked away from Jesus? Has your heart walked away from Jesus? Even just a small bit. You cannot afford to give away any part of your heart. 
Remember what Cleopas said, didn't our hearts burn? See, it starts in you, the kingdom inside of you. You always produce the kingdom around you that you have within you. And Jesus told us to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep seeking, to never give up. And some of you, like Cleopas, need to run back to Jerusalem today. You've given up on Jesus. Yeah, you may be here physically, but you've given up in your heart. You've given up on the church. You've given up on yourself. But here's the thing. Jesus has not given up on you. And like Cleopas, he is right beside you, whether you're walking the right way or not, whether you recognize him or not, whether you're living in he was, or whether you recognize that the I am is right beside you. And some of you, like Abraham, need to cling to hope today, to take another step of hope, and hope against hope against hope, faith upon faith. You need to stop looking with your physical eyes and realize that you're seated in first class and see the perspective that you have access to from the heavenly places. Keep walking. Keep listening towards the one who died in your place. And just take a moment here today and release your heart. Let it run back to Jerusalem where it belongs. Let your heart respond to Jesus in this moment. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to take that next step of hope. Only you know what that is. It's specific to your situation. But whatever it is, you need to run back to Jerusalem and into the arms of Jesus. And when all hope is gone, take one more step of hope. Jesus, we thank you that you lavish love to a thousand generations. We thank you that you've never given up on us. That even if we walk astray, that you're right beside us. Help us to remember to not live in the he was, but to live in the I am moments. Help us to take one more step of hope and then another one, and another one, and another one. Endless steps of hope so that we could be called people of faith that were too good for this world.